Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red flood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, a winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Brucott to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the CU at the Game website and your host for the CU at the Game podcast. It's been almost a full year since USC and UCLA shocked their Pac-12 brethren with the announcement that they would be leaving the conference for the Big Ten in 2024, which means it's almost been a full year that Pac-12 fans have been waiting for the conference to decide on expansion and to sign new media contracts. The long wait may soon be over, as it is being reported that one hurdle that being revenue sharing while making allowances for postseason success, has been cleared. I am joined for this episode by Neil Langland, and we will discuss the status of Pac-12 media contract negotiations. We then turn our attention to the current buzz about Colorado leaving the Pac-12 and rejoining the Big 12. We go through the pros and cons of leaving and staying, and what it would take for it to make sense for the Buffs to rejoin their former conference. So, could disappointing Pac-12 media contracts force CU's hand? Could grant of rights negotiations still prove to be the sticking point which splinters the conference? Is expansion into Southern California and Texas a panacea which could keep the Pac-12 from falling further behind other Power 5 conferences in revenue distributions? Let's find out. Okay, and we're back. And we're without Brad Geiger, but we are joined by the Denver contingent. I guess he's going to have a contingent of one. Neil Langland in downtown Denver. How is Neil doing? Doing fine. Just having a nice time with this lovely weather and looking forward to... um, the end of summer camp and the begin or the end of summer and the beginning of camp. Yeah. Well, we got summer workouts going and lots of videos of players running around in shorts and doing wonderful things that I guess to the trained eye would mean something, but not much to uh, 
us lowlifes that don't really understand the ins and outs of what a summer camp practice is supposed to look like. But we do certainly have more access to summer camp than as we did with spring practice and everything like that. So we'll be grateful for what we can get. But June is normally a pretty quiet time in college football. There are the mini camps and the uh, coaches are evaluating talent, but other than preseason magazines coming out, that used to be the big part of June for college football and Athlon and Lindy's and, you know, magazines like that, the sporting news would all hit the stands, but now everything's digital. Everything's 24 seven. So don't even have that to look forward to. So we do have fun things to talk about with regards to the University of Colorado, which seems to not be able to stay out of the news. There's talk about uh, the Big 12. There's talk about media rights and the lack thereof. What is your overall impression about what's going on in the University of Colorado world in early June of 2023? I can't decide whether it's checkers or chess that Rick George is playing with his interviews. The media rights thing, I think he might be having a stalking horse in terms of talking to the big, uh, the big 12. And that may be to try to keep Oregon and Washington in line. But now with the agreement today that it's going to be equal revenue sharing and only CFP shares are gonna be doled out disproportionately. It seems to me that for once we have some indication that the PAC 12 may stick together. So, yeah, so that's, you know, it's kind of the ACC model, I guess, if you want to call it that way, that, you know, the ACC did something similar recently that there was concern that the Pac-12 media rights deal was being hung up on the idea that Oregon and Washington wanted unequal distribution in order to uh, stay in the Pac-10, Pac-12, Pac but the report anyway um, is that there is going to be equal distribution for media rights, but there would be uh, the distribution of playoff money would be performance-based, uh, basically meaning if Oregon makes the college football playoffs, they get a bigger piece of that ESPN pie than the rest of the members of the Pac-12. So I guess before we talk about the ramifications of what that means to the media rights deal and potential having an actual contract down the road. What was, what was your thinking on that line? Is that uh, seem like a reasonable compromise to have unequal distribution, but just for the college football playoff money, or should it be one for all and all for one? Well, last week, last podcast, I thought I was willing to tolerate some unequal distribution of regular season monies just to keep Oregon and Washington happy. I was willing to go that far if necessary, but it, apparently it wasn't I'm happy the way this turned out. <clears throat> Excuse me, and if Oregon and Washington are happy uh, with that incentive pay, I think it's a great compromise. And I think that's going to go a long way to holding the conference together, uh, not just economically, but there's a sense now that they're in this together because they're sharing equally. Well, and they, they seem to, have, you know, any president or athletic director that's given an interview in the last couple of months, they seem to be saying that we are all unified 
And that would be a pretty fair indication that that maybe is the case. With regards to the next step, we'll obviously be announcing what the meteorites contract is going to look like. Chances are it's not going to be what everybody would hope for, not what you everybody dream about. Um, the Arizona president, Bobby Robbins, was quoted, and I think this is not just him. It's been uh, other athletic directors, other presidents kind of had the same idea. We're not going to get a Big Ten deal or an SEC deal, Robin said. If we win a bronze medal, I think we'll all declare victory and move on, which would mean, you know, having the third best media rights deal. I think at this point, Pac-12 fans would be surprised if the Pac-12 got the third best media rights deal. I think it sounds like most fans would be happy if we're anywhere within shouting distance of the $31.7 million per year deal that the Big 12 was getting. Would you agree or do you think that we actually are going to get more? I don't think we're going to get more. Uh, I don't see how that's going to happen. Just from the, the tier one and tier two stuff, the Big 12 has always done better in their tier three revenues. So on a per, sh uh, per team basis, they're always going to do a little better than the Pac-12 has done. And with regard to quantifying shouting distance, I'll pose a question, Stu, and then try to answer it. I think the lower bound for most schools relative to the pack, excuse me, the Big 12, which is at 31.7 or five, I think most teams would be willing to accept somewhere in the three and a half to $4 million difference and still stay in the conference. That is going down to somewhere around 27 or 28. Anything below that, and I think there's going to be trouble. Yeah, and that's kind of where Wilner's been at, John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News, which is the oft-quoted Pac-12 guru when it comes to reporting on Pac-12 stuff, and he says 10%, you know, which would be, you know, 3 or $4 million shy of that amount would be enough to keep Pac-12 teams from bolting to the Big 12. Um, you mentioned Colorado Athletic Director Rick George. His quote was kind of a non-denial, denial, kind of politician quote. We are proud members of the Pac-12. In a perfect world, we'd love to be in the Pac-12. But we also have to do what is right for Colorado at the end of the day. So says we we are in the Pac-12. We'd love to be in the Pac-12, but we're not guaranteeing we're going to be in the Pac-12. Would that be a fair summation of Rick's position at this point? Well, that's what I was trying to refer to at the top, Stu. Thanks for circling yeah. back and clarifying this. I think he may be thinking of a domino-type theory that if one of the four corner schools or one of the other schools bolts, then that's going to start a cascade of the musical chairs thing where everyone is going to be trying to find a good landing spot. And his theory may be that if CU goes, that is going to start the scramble. And that will also have the Big Ten looking at Oregon and Washington again, and maybe Cal and Stanford picking them up on the cheap and adding a Western division to the Big Ten. And that could also mean the other three of the four corners, the Arizona schools and Utah are going, 
it's either we go to the Big 12 or it's we're Mountain West. And I think that leaves Washington State and Oregon State just going nowhere to go. So I, I think that's his idea. And he's sort of keeping that notion alive that if this isn't very good or if the Washington and Oregon people want more, then we're going to bolt and that's going to destroy the conference. Right. So whether that proves out to be the case, that's what's being reported at this point, because, yeah, it seemed like CU would have had an out if that would have been the problem. And you say, well, we just aren't into unequal distribution, <laughs> even though we left the Big 12 basically in part because of unequal distribution of the tier three stuff and the, you know, the Texas network and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it seems like Colorado seems to be in the eye of the storm of all this, that for all the talk about other schools going to other places, Colorado to the big 12 seems to be getting most of the attention. And there's actually a betting site, uh, bookies.com that has odds on teams joining the Big 12 and CU is the favorite. Uh, it's plus 250. So I guess for the non-betting people, that's like two and a half to one, right, is the odds that that would translate to. And it's roughly a 30% chance of CU joining the Big 12. I don't know if you saw the the rest of them. If you haven't, I'll, I'll quiz you on it and see how well you do. Did you look at that the article that CU is the the betting favorite to join to join the the Big Twelve. Well, I tied a string around my finger to remember to read it, and then I couldn't remember why I had the string there. So sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll guess I'll, anyway. I'll play. Okay. So, who do you think would be the second most likely team, not just Pac-12 teams, but you know, across the country? Who do you think is the betting favorites? are the betting favorites to join the Big 12 after CU at uh, two and a half to one? Well, I'm going to go long shot and say UConn. Well, they didn't even have odds on UConn. Now, that's been getting a lot of discussion. And, you know, not a basketball only. They said that it would be a, you know, a full membership and things like that. But that seems quite a stretch. The number two pick is actually Arizona. At four to one, the the next pick though kind of surprised me was Memphis, and you know geographically when you got Cincinnati and things like that going on, you got West Virginia, and you got all the you know UCF from the East Coast, and you know you got Houston and everything that maybe having Memphis in there makes some sense, joining in with their for, former American Conference you know, partners. After that, it was San Diego State. And then lagging behind was Arizona State and Utah. So according to the betting site anyway, Memphis is a, more likely to join the Big 12 than San Diego State, Arizona State, or Utah. So thoughts on the, the Memphis Tigers or the fact that Arizona is second in line to, uh, to bolt along with Colorado? Let me try to answer that with a question, which is, is Memphis a favorite because the Big 12 is trying to build sort of an Eastern division, you know, it's, uh, or is it because 
the bookies feel that Colorado can leave and the rest of the Pac-12 will go, fine, we'll replace you with San Diego State or someone else and we really don't care. We're going to stick together. Yeah. Well, that was John Wilner's article. Again, you know, San Jose Mercury News. And it did create some backlash, at least among some CU fans. It's His quote was that CU is not essential. And basically what you just said, that we'll just replace CU with San Diego State and, and go on from there. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't think that the Pac-12, not to be too much of a homer, would think that that would be a fair trade. But are we just happy with the San Diego market and the Southern California anchor not being taken away by the Big 12? Is that enough of a pull? Or the fact that CU actually has a much bigger stadium, much bigger fan base, much more attractive on television? I mean, is it really true that CU is not essential to the Pac-12, that they can walk in the Pac-12, Pac-9, Pac-10? whatever it would might be, uh, would not care that Colorado would walk? I think the Pac-12 likes having a couple teams in the mountain time zone. And if CU bolts, and here's a nice thought for all the CU loyalists, who would the Pac-12 pick to replace them? Gee, I mean, there's this school up the road a little bit from Boulder that's just dying to get in and will do anything to get into a power five conference. So maybe that's part of the, the thought process. I, I, I just cannot get a grip on why everyone would be so cavalier about CU leaving because right. I think it was Keeler or one of the other Denver post writers says CU is now a much more attractive school, at least for the while with coach prime and all the attention he is getting is that the Pac-12 needs CU more than CU needs the Pac-12. Yeah. Just because of Coach Prime. And that's probably perhaps the statement we could have made six, seven months ago. Right. That, you know, 1-11 team getting beat by 29 points a game, never been a factor in the Pac-12. Yeah, who needs you? You know, kind of thing. Yes, you have the Denver market, but do you really have the Denver market kind of argument? that type of thing. But yeah, I don't know if uh, that argument can be made any longer. And thank God for Rick George and Deion Sanders coming along to make CU relevant without ever playing a game. And yeah, it kind of hopes that all this stuff gets done before September and we have to worry about whether or not uh, CU's record is going to play a role in CU's future. Well, I've, I've, have some thoughts about CU's future, but we can leave that for another another time. But CU can't go on potential much longer. We've been running on fumes now since 2005. And at some point, CU needs to get better, actually has to be attractive. Uh, I'm sure the CU Nebraska ratings will be great, but the rest of the year, the ratings probably aren't going to be that that hot unless Coach Prime is able to get to six or seven wins and be competitive and be colorful. CU is just not a high commodity right now. Well, some decisions are going to have to be made. Theoretically, anyway, I mean, of course, we've been talking since 
January, we thought the announcement was going to come during the men's basketball tournament in March. Now we're into June. The latest deadline is June 30th because that's when schools have to give their announcements or give their, you know, walking papers information to their leagues. And there's been a lot written about San Diego State. If San Diego State announces to the Mountain West that they're leaving before June 30th, they're going to have to have a buyout of $17 million. If they wait till the 1st of July in the next fiscal year, it goes up to $34 million. And we're dealing with the Pac-12 not having any dollars to work with, not having any dollars to spare, an extra $17 million payout for a buyout to get San Diego State to join the conference seems like a price that might be a little too hard to pay at that point. Wouldn't you think that if they're going to invite San Diego State, that we're going to know about that before the end of the fiscal year, before June 30th? Well, it's been puzzling because that was such a hot topic a couple, three weeks ago. It was going to be SMU and San Diego State coming into the conference. And we have not heard much of that in the past week or 10 days. I have to wonder what's going on there. But San Diego State makes sense from the Southern California market perspective. And getting into Texas for recruiting and for the Dallas-Fort Worth market makes sense. So I don't understand why that's died away. And... There's two things that are converging here that I think are necessary for the conference to survive. And that is number one, a decent media deal and schools getting the grant of rights signed. The other, I think they have to expand. I think they can't sit still with just 10 teams. They can't let the Southern California market just go completely away. And they need to find some way to compensate for the loss of a lot of that market by getting into a new market. So everyone's worried as much about the um, media deal. They also need to be concerned about what's going on with these teams because in about three weeks, we won't be able to afford to bring them in, as you say. Yeah. So something has to happen there. Yeah, so taking off your Neil analyst hat and putting on your Neil fan hat, what would it take in terms of negative numbers for the media rights deal or non-expansion, or what would it take for you to think that moving to the Big 12 would be a good deal for the University of Colorado? Well, you know, I did a little homework, and this may be pertinent at this point, but I just did a little comparison on TV markets, and we'll get to that in a second. But I think going to the Big 12 would be a step backward for CU, honestly in terms of overall prestige, in terms of the academics. KU is the only school left in the Big 12 that's an AAU member. And I think that's a big deal. I mean, the Big 10 has built part of its reputation on that requirement. And I would say the only school that doesn't meet it is, um, remind me who that is. <laughs> Go Big Crimson? No. Big Pink, something. Big Pink. Anyway, <laughs> so... None, academically, there's going to be a big gulf there. And I don't know how much that matters in this new world that we're in. But I think it's a step backwards going from Manhattan, Kansas, and where's I, wherever Iowa State is. Ames. To, yeah, the Ames. great city of Ames. 
you know, in those very small markets, I think going back to being a Plains team is far less preferable than being a West Coast team. I think there's so many advantages to being around Oregon and Washington and Cal and Stanford and now even Utah. The big names are gone from the Big 12. So arguing against myself now, if CU could come in and turn it around with Coach Prime, they're in a position to dominate the conference within three years. And that is exactly what they need to propel themselves into continued Power 5 membership come 28 or 29. So I guess I'm, I'm making both sides of that argument, but I don't want to see, see you go to the Big 12. I'm sorry, yeah. I just... Yeah, no, there's definitely arguments to be made both ways. You mentioned the, the market size. Colorado was in the Big 12. They'd be the Denver's the third largest market behind Houston and, and Dallas. And there is something to be said for the fan bases being more interested, you know, game day atmosphere that, you know, you go to a Stanford game and it's half full or UCLA game and you got 25,000 in a 90,000 seat stadium versus, you know, having some fanatical fans in Ames, Iowa and Stillwater, Oklahoma and Manhattan, Kansas. And there is some lingering rivalries there. Of course, it's not Oklahoma, Nebraska and Texas, but there are some old Big 8, Big 12 rivalries there that could be rekindled. And, yeah, there is something to be said for being the bigger fish in the smaller pond. Now, if you're trying to grow the program and make it attractive to be a part of the Big 2 down the road, being in a small pond, even if you're a big fish, doesn't necessarily help your cause. But, yeah, in terms of not having you, you talk about the Pac-10, and you say, okay, we got Oregon, you got Washington. Those are the you know two hills you got to climb. Where are the powers in the in the Big Twelve after Oklahoma and Texas leave? Yes, TCU just played in the national championship game. Yes, Cincinnati has played in the national well in the playoffs. UCF, I don't know, maybe they get Scott Frost to come back and they can go undefeated again. Um, <laughs> You know, have another national championship down there in Florida. But in terms of historical success, I think I looked this up. It's been months since I looked at it. But I think in terms of all-time wins, I think Colorado would all of a sudden vault into number one in all-time wins in the conference. Because um, Colorado is still in the top 30 in historical terms and victories. And maybe Coach Brian comes in, takes over, and then becomes an attractive candidate that way by being a dominant program. But overall, I would tend to agree with you that it's a step back to go to the Big 12 uh, for Colorado, not only just in terms of AAU stuff, in terms of prestige, uh, in terms of like-mindedness. And Colorado would become the first school to – transfer to another Power 5 conference and then power, and, and then transfer back. You know, we've had lots of schools like Utah that moved up, and there's lots of schools that have moved laterally, like Colorado from the Big 12 to the Pac-12. We've never had anybody go back to the, you know, their old conference and going back after having 
I won't even say limited success. I mean, just complete lack of success as a member of the Pac-12. That would be kind of an albatross indefinitely because, you know, they're just, I mean, if CU stayed in the Pac-12 for another five years, Coach Prime hangs around for five years and there's four bowl games in there and maybe a Pac-12 championship, then moving on, I think you can make the argument and say, okay, been there, done that, got the ring, proved ourselves. We have nothing left to prove in the Pac-12. But leaving at this point with our tails between our legs after a 1-11 season and having one winning season in 11 full campaigns doesn't feel right, doesn't feel good. You know, Stu, it's sort of has the flavor to it of <clears throat> – other Big 12 people, schools, uh, historical schools from the Big 8, would say, so couldn't cut it in the Big, big in the Pac-12. You left us for dead, and now you want to come back. Gee, yeah. I'm not sure we want you. Yeah. Um, second, the new Big 12 is going to be almost half former group of five teams, former within the last, say, five years. So it's going to be a weak conference. Third is a line from one of my favorite movies from Jeremiah Johnson, which was that a man was judged by how mighty his enemies be. We translate that in this circumstance to who are the other people we're playing against? Who are our partners in a league? And who would you rather have? K-State and Texas Tech. Washington, Oregon, Cal, Stanford, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State. I don't know. I think the question answers itself. Yeah. And true enough, I mean, we talk about going to different venues. Most most fans don't travel. Most people aren't going to Seattle. Most people aren't going to L.A. to watch games. So the, the argument that, well, I'm never going to go to Ames, Iowa, or I'm never going to go to Lubbock, it's like, well, you didn't go to Tucson either. But, yeah, I, I think the image for C would take a, a huge hit if they bolted for the Big 12 without somebody else. If they went, you know, hand-in-hand hand with Arizona or if Oregon and Washington bolted for the Big 10 first, then, yeah, then they're, somebody made the choice for them. You know, that wasn't CU leading the realignment change of 2023 CU did what was best for CU at the time based upon the disintegrating Pac-12. There's no shame in leaving a burning building. It's hard to look into the crystal ball, but let's say that we do get a five-year media rights deal and the Pac-10 adds San Diego State, maybe SMU, maybe the Pac-11 if just San Diego State, but in some sort of configuration the pac 10 11 12 survives and there's a media deal that's again within shouting distance of what the big 12 is getting and what the acc is getting what's the 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 long game you know for the the big round of realignment that's coming when these other contracts are going to start expiring in 2029 2030 2031 in their what will it take for CU to dress up and get invited to the ball and actually be a player when it comes time for the 
what might actually be the the first round of cuts, you know, when it comes to who's going to be left in the power five or the power three or the power two at that point. So before I answer that, I want to add one other thing as to why Colorado may be better off in the Pac-12. And it's not so much about football and men's basketball. It's, and I haven't seen numbers, so I'm just going to pass this along without verification. But apparently after CU joined the Pac-12 and with its alumni base in that footprint, especially in California, donations to the school on both the athletic and the academic side increased uh, tremendously. So there's a big incentive to stay just for that reason. Now to your question, what are the necessary and sufficient conditions for CU to have a seat at the table in 29 or 30? And I think earlier on you sketched it, which is somehow Coach Prime has to be here five or six years if we can as long as we can stretch him out and things are going as we hope and expect they will he's the one key ingredient i think to getting cu back to where they contend in the pac-12 almost every year they play in a decent bowl game and they play a good non-conference schedule to where they're going to be on tv in a national window and if they're if they're going nine and three, eight and four, 10 and two in the out years of Coach Prime's tenure, that's going to be enough, I think, to do it, to get them there. And if their ratings are good, which I expect they will be with Coach Prime, that should be enough for the networks to say, because all the turmoil in the last year we can attribute to Fox and ESPN. If the networks like Colorado, then that's going to be, I think, almost sufficient to get them there. And what is also necessary is that CU needs to continue to support the athletic department, give them the resources to compete. If we can do those things, then I think CU will be well positioned to stay in the big two or the big two and a half. Yeah, it's... How does that sound? Yeah, no, it sounds exactly right. It's going to be a, it's a scary proposition because CU is really walking the tightrope right now that, yes, we're going to have the big noon Saturday at TCU. We're going to have the big noon Saturday at Folsom for a 10 a.m. kickoff and then a nationally televised game against CSU on, on ESPN the following Saturday night. And unless Colorado is getting beat by 30 points, probably the Oregon game and probably the USC game are going to be nationally televised by somebody. So you're talking about the entire September slate being nationally televised. And people, you know, the naysayers, the haters, you know, they're already tired of Colorado and he hasn't played a game yet under Coach Prime. So there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be excited about Colorado not doing well. So we're going to do, obviously, deep dives into the schedule and look at rosters and, you know, compare strengths and weaknesses of lineups and stuff like that as we get closer to the fall. But, and we talked a little bit about this in the last podcast about what a successful, you know, September might look like. But you seem to almost have it in two different competing thoughts here. You've got Fox that seems to be all in on Coach Prime, that they're going to have two nationally broadcast games with Colorado where CU is an underdog and a big underdog at TCU. And yet 
you look at the preseason magazines and they're all thinking, well, anything past three and nine is just gravy for this, for these guys. So what am I missing here is Fox have way too much faith in coach prime or is Fox saying, we don't care if coach prime loses by 30 points. He's going to be a story either way. And we're going to have eyeballs either way. So whether Colorado succeeds or fails is almost secondary to the question of how many people are going to watch Colorado versus TCU and Colorado versus Nebraska. I think it's ratings. I think you're right about that is that coach prime was such a story in the spring with ESPN. This is Fox's counter move to try to get into the coach prime bonanza because he's going to be a ratings star for the first month or two of the season. And so they're, they're looking to cash in on him, I think. And if it goes well, then they will have a foundation to have CU on again later on in the year or next year. So it's, I think it's more about money than it is about faith. Yeah. So where do you come in on that? Are you uh, with the preseason folks at this point saying that, you know, the schedule is so hard that it's just going to be three and nine or, you know, not much better or, you look at some of the fan base in Colorado and saying, well, they just have no idea. They're, you know, one of the preseason, I think it might have, I don't think it was Athlon, but one of the preseason magazines I quoted having Colorado being 11th in the Pac-12 said, yeah, they brought in some weapons on offense, but the defense is terrible. Without looking at any of the transfers or new players, there might be Trevor Woods and maybe a linebacker from last year that might be playing on defense. So, I mean, Colorado's going to be better. It's just whether or not it's going to be good enough. Well, it's sort of getting into roster and blending and team uh, spirit and all of that, but there is no question the roster is much, much better overall. Some position groups are out of sight, like the receivers and the corners, maybe even the whole secondary. Quarterback off the map compared to what we've had here the last five years since Montez left. So there's a lot to be said for the improvement. I've, I think, said in this space before that it's probably going to take them a few games to gel. So it's unfortunate that CU doesn't get some cupcakes to start with but I think by mid-season after they've got some of the tougher games out of the way and if they have their emotional uh, structure and confidence still in place they're going to be a much better second half team so mm-hmm. I think there's reason to to have some faith that they can make a bowl okay well like you say we'll get to predictions and things like that but uh getting back to media rights uh predictions for Will we have a, a meteorites deal by the end of June? <laughs> you know, we talked last time about General Franco and that series on uh, Saturday Night Live went for an entire year. And the discussions for the Pac-12's media deal started last July. So what's the rush, guys? Come on. Um, yeah. Anytime before August 1 is gravy. Yeah, well, anytime, actually, technically, before July 1 of 2024 is fine. 
you wouldn't want to have that in place because how are you going to do your, you know, what's games are going to be non-conference games are going to be televised if you don't have a contract to televise them. But do you think that there might still be a hang up with the grants of rights? And of course, that's getting back to the idea that this is what screwed up the ACC all the way to 2035 is the airtight grant of rights that that might still be a stumbling block. Maybe that's what's holding things up that Oregon and Washington don't want to have an airtight grant of rights for the next five to seven years so that they can accept an invitation to the Big Ten anytime it comes along. And the other schools are like, oh, no, no, no. If you're going to be wearing the Pac-12 logo on your jersey for the next five to seven years, you are going to wear that for the next five to seven years, and you're not going to be able to get out of it. Is that a potential reason why it hasn't gotten done? That could be. And I was hoping not to have to think about that, but it is an unpleasant, but it's a realistic possibility. I am cheered somewhat by the media deal that we talked about at the top of the show, which is that regular season revenue is going to be spread evenly. So maybe that indicates that Washington and Oregon are willing to go at least part of the distance, part of the five or six year deal with a grant of rights that gives them an option to get out after the fourth or fifth year. But um, the Big Ten doesn't come in again. Their deal expires in 29 or 30, doesn't it? So they probably will not be looking to add anybody until then. And I, I don't see why the Big Ten would feel it's necessary to add those schools right now because there's no one else that's going to go shopping for them. It's either the Big Ten or what's left of the Big 12. Okay. Well, I'll leave the, the last word to Arizona President Bobby Robbins. Again, this was, he was asked about the TV deal and his quote was, my prediction, we're all going to stay together as a Pac-12. There's 10 of us right now. I'm hopeful that the deal is going to be good enough to keep us together. I'm not anxious about this. I know it's important. I have full confidence we're going to get where we need to be. Well, can't get more optimistic than that, right? Can't well, get a much better quote from a president saying nothing at all. Uh, I have a reply on two levels. The first is from our childhood and teen years is Mad Magazine and Alfred E. Newman, which is <laughs> what? Me worry? <laughs> and then the second is from a freshman lit class, Candide, where one of the characters was, we lived in the best of all possible worlds. And Candide loosely translated his optimism and that whole book is about foolish optimism. So I'm not in that camp. I think we're still some danger, but I've got my fingers crossed. Okay. Well, it might break tomorrow. It might break June 29th. And it might be August before we get something done. But we'll be talking about it one way or the other when the time comes. So thanks, as always, Neil, for your analysis and your showing of your wide range of Colorado education, going from Mad Magazine to Candide, you know, showing that uh, what you learn in Boulder doesn't stay in Boulder. 
you know, you kept it for decades in your head. So thank you for your time and we will talk with you soon. It's been a pleasure. I miss Brad. I hope, uh, hope he gets back soon for the next one. Okay. We'll do, we'll make sure that he comes back for the next one. We'll, we'll figure out a way to get Brad back on board. Maybe just figure he's not going to have to come back until we have a, a meteorites deal to actually talk about. <laughs> but we'll talk soon. Thanks, Stu. Another good one. Thank you. Thank you both for listening to the podcast and for being a member of the Buff Nation, which at long last has become the talk of the nation. I hope that you are subscribing to the podcast so that you won't miss any of the upcoming episodes. We have partnered with Mile High Sports and are pleased to be a part of their podcast network. As before, you can find the See What the Game podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other podcast sites. Or, if you're not a fan of downloading podcasts, all of the episodes can be listened to at the See With the Game website. I'll be back soon with Neil and Brad, and we will, perhaps, just perhaps, be discussing the new Pac-12 media contracts. Until then, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to cuatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time when we will again see you at the game. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.